You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout amen. Amen. All right. I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm loving this, your new ambience. This is fantastic, LifePoint. <laughs> this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Um, I want to congratulate everyone, the leadership team, Pastor Busala. God bless you for the fantastic work you're doing, Pastor Biodun, Pastor Femi. Um, I don't see Folusha, so I see you know um, a number of lovely familiar faces and LifePoint Band. God bless you guys um, for that powerful worship song. Help me appreciate LifePoint Band once again. Uh, I, I, I want to especially appreciate Pastor Busola um, for, for, for the leadership she's providing here and the work that she's doing. Do you love your pastor? Would you help me appreciate her today and celebrate her properly? Pastor Busola, thank you. God bless you. Multiply his grace over your life. It's always a joy, always a privilege. Every time I have an opportunity to be here, I know that, I mean, it's been a while, so there are people who are wondering who's this guy. Um, uh, I'm part of the family. Amen. And um, I, I have the privilege of bringing God's word today. And I see that my time is already running very fast. So I'm go- just going to jump right into it. Um, if you have your Bibles, would you open with me to James chapter 1 from verse 21? I will read James 1, 21. James 1, 21. I'm reading the New King James Version. And um, if you have that, I would love that we read together. I will read from, I uh, will start from verse 21 and we will read up until verse 25. And I'll, if, if you have not spoken a lot today, you need to clear your throat because your voice may sound a bit husky. So, you know, clear your throat. You need to sw- swallow a little bit of spittle just to clear your, you know, your, your uh, the pathway. Are we ready? Let's read. Therefore, Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of a word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Are we we reading together? I can't hear you guys. Is it my, that my mic is too loud? Uh, let's take verse 22 again. One, two, read. Ah, that's why. You guys have not had breakfast. The way you are going at this. Uh, let's, let's, let's chant this thing. One, two, go. But be doers of a word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of a word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Um, if you are able to highlight uh, any portion of your scripture, your, your Bible, if you're using your, your um, um, mobile app, you probably want to highlight that uh, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, the part I'm really interested in is but a doer of the work, a doer of the work. He actually didn't describe him as a doer of the word. You know, we like to say, be a doer of the word, because that's how it starts. In verse 22, it says, be a doer of the word. But as it progresses, it talks about a doer of the what? Work. That's verse 25. It says, this person is a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Now, it's interesting that, you know, when we begin to speak about the blessing of God, the blessing of Abraham, you know, walking in the fullness of our inheritance and enjoying all that are crucial to us. Well, not all, because all that are crucial to us, we're going to enjoy on the other side of eternity. But enjoying the fullness of the benefits that are available on this side of eternity. Um, everybody likes to, you know, imagine and proclaim and declare, you know, that I'm blessed, I'm favored, and all of that. But this scripture begins to help us to understand um, how to be able to 
enjoy the fullness of, you know, all that God has made available for us for life and godliness. He says, you need to lay aside filthiness. There are certain things you need to lay aside. And he then says, an, an overflow of wickedness. And then he says, there's a meekness with which you need to receive the word of God. Uh, there's, there's a humility with which you need to receive the word of God. I often say to people that when you think about, when oftentimes when we talk about pride, we, we define pride from uh, the perspective of someone who has a, you know, a condescending outlook, someone who's somewhat pompous, full of himself or full of ourself. Uh, and we describe humility as someone who is self-deprecating, someone who doesn't think so highly of himself. And in a sense, we are right. But in the eyes of God, uh, the one that can accurately define all things, pride is beyond just having a, a condescending outlook or being full of yourself. Pride is actually when you feel that you're wiser than God. Uh, a proud person is someone who uh, believes that he, he has a superior opinion uh, to God's word. Someone who judges God's word based on his own wisdom. Someone who will say, I, I will not forgive you because it's foolishness for me to forgive. Someone who would decide to ignore God's word. Someone who would decide uh, to do things that the word of God says is wrong because he believes it's right. That person is proud. And the Bible says that God resists the proud and he gives more grace to the humble. So whenever you think pride from the perspective of the scripture, it's actually about your attitude to the word of God. When you see someone who embraces the word of God, someone who submits his wisdom, uh, his own intellectual capacity to the word of God, that person is described as meek and humble. And so I've seen, I've seen poor, proud people. <laughs> Do you get what I'm trying to say? I've seen broke, proud people. You know, people who you would feel should ordinarily be humble. I've seen people who are of uh, low estate that are very proud because they believe that they are wiser than God. And they never, they don't have the right attitude towards God's word. But that's really not where I'm going. But it's important for us to, to recognize that he says here, there's, there are certain things you need to lay aside. He uh, says filthiness, overflow, wickedness. And says there are certain things you need to receive. And, and in order for you to be able to receive the implanted word of God, you need to have an attitude of meekness. And that is what positions you, therefore, to be a doer of a word. And he begins to describe the, the way the doer of the word functions. He says, um, when you are not a doer of the word, you are the type of Christian that is deceiving himself or herself. And I've met a bunch of people like that. I'm not as young as I look, and I'm not as old as you may imagine. I'm somewhere in between the two. So, um, I, 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 because I was going to say something, and I, and I felt someone may say, oh, are you that old? I'm not as old as you imagine, but I'm not as young as I look. So, I, I've been born again for about 30 years now. Right? And in my 30 years, do you want to clap or cry? <laughs> or laugh? Feel free to do whichever one. You know, that's why I set the stage for that, um, what I was about to learn, because I'm, I'm sure I'm, I've been born again for more than some people have lived their entire life. You know? And uh, because of that, I have seen stuff. I've seen stuff. I got born again, I was in, in GS2, uh, uh, what you call grade 8 now, uh, when I got born again. And over the 30 years period of my, of my being a Christian, I have seen stuff. Uh, I've seen people who look like, you know, they, they look the part. They talk the part. They sound the part. You know, they, they, they understand the language. You know, they know how to navigate the Christian environment, but they've never really profited from being Christians because they, are, they, do not, they are not doers of the word. They have not gotten to a point in their life where they would commit to live by the word to get results. Um, it, it, for them, it's just, it just continues to be um, some kind of experiment. They, they, they like to be affiliated with the church, but they are not going to, they like to wear the jersey, but they're not going to live the life. They're not going to prove the word. They're not going to live by the word. They're, going, they're not going to commit to live by the word. They just want to constantly, you know, uh, play around the church environment to feel safe, to feel connected. And the Bible says, when you're that kind of person, it says you are deceiving yourself. You're not even deceiving God. The only person that's been deceiving that equation is yourself because at the end of the day, the outcome will reflect who you really are. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving who? Yourself. Deceiving yourself. It says, when someone is a hearer and not a doer, he's someone that observes his natural face. The word of God reveals to you who you are, but he goes away. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't pay enough attention to the feedback he's gotten from the word. He doesn't begin to follow the instructions of the word and he forgets. Uh, and he says, look, but there's another attitude that you need to have, which is someone who pays attention to the perfect law. He calls it the perfect law of liberty, the perfect law that is able to liberate you and give you fullness of life. And he says he continues in it. And he says this person is going to end up being a doer of the work. 
and he's going to be blessed in whatever he does. How many people want to be blessed in whatever they do? Can I see your hand? You really want to be blessed in whatever you do? Yeah, if you really want to be blessed in whatever you do, then the word is the way. All right? The word is the way. And this is at the very heart of my conversation today. I just wanted to set a context so that you, I, I don't lose you. You want to be blessed in whatever you do. You want to live a prosperous life. You know what, guys? You have the, the larger chunk of your life ahead of you. Every time I, I approach life points to, have, to minister, I think about the people that are in the congregation. Majority are in their 20s. You're just starting out. I mean, many of our own parents uh, that got born again in their 60s and 70s, when they look at us today, part of what they say, I remember my dad kept saying to, this to be Year after year, my biggest regret was that I did not know Christ early. Certain decisions I would have made differently. And I know my life will have turned out way better, you know, than it has today. And you guys have that opportunity right now. You know, you guys have that opportunity right now to write a different script in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So if you really want to be blessed in whatever you do, you don't want your life to be an experiment, then listen to what I'm about to share this morning. We've titled this one, Just Do It. Somebody say, Just Do It. I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with that, you know, Nike, it was this slogan or whatever they call it, with that swoosh, you know, uh, and it's just do it. It's, it's very popular and it, I mean, it's just a challenge. Step out and do something. I remember Pastor <laughs> uh, uh, Pusana was, was it, was it two years ago? Yeah, because this year has been, last year, uh, I traveled with my family, we were on vacation and we're in, we're in Singapore, we're walking the street and I saw a guy with a t-shirt, you know, with just do it on top and I was like yeah you know Nike with the sushi and I saw underneath that just do it tomorrow so just do it tomorrow you know and some people are like that you know uh, it's just do it tomorrow some people are like just do it in 2021 okay so uh, it, it's important for us that um, I don't want to be a Christian who is just wearing the t-shirt I want to be a Christian who can prove that life in Christ is a superior type of life I want to be the kind of Christian that proves that life in God is the superior type of life and I, I have come to realize and I'm sure many of us have heard this before that in the world we have four categories of people uh, they're the people that make things happen they're the people that watch things happen they're the people that talk about what is happening and they're people that don't even know what is going on can I say that again? There are people that make things happen. They're the ones that make news. They're the ones that make impact. They're the people that watch things happen on Instagram, on Twitter, on TV, on, on all sorts of platforms. They're the people that talk, you know, actively about what is happening. They have all sorts of opinions about what is going on. They can analyze it for you. They can break it down very well and tell you what is wrong and what is right, and who is doing it well and who is not doing it. Uh, they are very good at that, but they don't make things happen. And they're the people who don't even have a clue what is happening. Question is this morning, which category do you belong? Are you part of those who are making things happen? Are you watching things happen? Are you discussing what is happening? Or are you clueless about what is really happening? It is interesting that there are many Christians today, uh, they don't really know what is happening. But look, hear me right. I'm not saying you don't know what's happening. You, you know what's happening now, you're reading news. But I'm saying in, as far as heaven's calendar is concerned, as far as God is concerned, as far as this dispensation we're in is concerned, as far as God's program for humanity is concerned, as far as what the Spirit of God is doing at this time is concerned. So people have no clue what is happening. They have no clue. They are like extras in a movie. You know what extras are? When, you, when you're in a movie and there's an extra, those guys that sit at the restaurant and they're just mumbling. They're not, <laughs> they're, they're, they're not really part of the cast. You hardly notice them. They just fill the empty space so that you have a feeling that it's a restaurant. Or when there's an explosion, the people that run helter-skelter to create a sense of panic. They call them extras in movies. Some people are behaving like extras. You know, have absolutely no clue what is really going on. And you cannot be a believer who has the spirit of God in you and you are comfortable to be in the dark. You are comfortable to, comfortable to posture as an extra in the setting of all that God is doing at this time. When God wants to do so much through your life. And that is why it's important for us to begin to um, place a demand on ourselves to step out. Because there are things that God wants to do in our life. Somebody say, just do it. Hallelujah. All right, so um, let, let's start by, let me start by saying this, that there is, a, uh, there is a mindset that you must have as a believer if you would 
be able to successfully work with God. Um, and at a dispensation like this where so much is happening, um, there's the likelihood to, to be afraid, to be confused, uh, to be angry, to be frustrated, uh, to have all sort of options that you may want to consider. Some of those options are driven by fear. Some of those options are driven by your sense of insecurity or your desperation. Some of those options are driven by that is all that you can see. It's important to understand that your relationship with God and your relationship with the Holy Spirit is central to your true uh, sustainable success. Your relationship with God and relationship with the Holy Spirit is central to your true and sustainable success. And therefore, uh, you need to recognize that uh, there are certain things that if you are working with God, he would ask you to start doing. There are certain things that you have been working with God, he would tell you to continue doing. And there are certain things he would it would demand of you to stop doing. Can I say that again? If you are working with God at this time, if you are fellowshipping with the Spirit of God, there are certain things he would initiate and, and ask that you start doing. There are certain things he would want you to continue doing because you are, you are on the right track. He wants you to sustain. And there are certain things he would ask that you stop doing. And it's important, therefore, to be able to understand and appreciate what is good Spirit of God saying to me. Are, are there things he has asked me to initiate? Are there things that he's asked me to sustain? And are there things that he asked me to stop? In Galatians chapter 6 from verse uh, uh, 9 to 10, the Bible speaks about, it says, uh, it says, let us not grow weary in well-doing. It says, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. It says, therefore, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. So we see an example of something that the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church, we should continue to do. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing good. Don't get tired of being kind. Don't get tired of walking in love. Do not be weary in well-doing. For the Bible to say you should not be weary in well-doing, it means it's very possible for you to be weary in well-doing. Why? Because at times some people are not deserving of your well-doing. Am I right? Some people are not deserving of your love, of your, of your, of your kindness, of your benevolence, of your attention. But the Bible says don't be weary. Uh, you know, the Bible says whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. It didn't say where you sow is where you reap. It said what you sow is what you reap. Some people are not qualified to give you the harvest of your seed. But whenever you sow a seed, you can be sure that you're going to get that harvest. Somebody say amen. amen. So it says don't be weary well doing. If it was not possible to be weary, he wouldn't have said don't be weary. It means that it, oftentimes you can get tired of doing good. So, so that's something to continue. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, uh, the Bible begins to speak about something really interesting here, about an outlook. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Look at the progression. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. And I thought like a child. It says, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So there was a putting away that came as a result of maturity. Are we together? That it's possible for me to, you know, part of the proof of my growth is that I would have to put away certain things. So there's always a putting away as, as proof that I'm maturing as a Christian. If as a believer you have been growing and you have not put away anything, the, the Spirit of God has not told you to stop doing anything. There's, in your study of the scripture, you have never come to a point where you realize that there are certain things you need to stop doing. Uh, there are certain ways you need to stop thinking. There are certain things you need to stop saying. Then... I mean, one would probably want to put a question mark around that kind of growth. You know, even in natural growth, natural human growth, you notice that a child begins to change in their sense of responsibility as they progress in age. Am I right? You, you know, so a child begins to he stops crying and whining whenever he's hungry and uncomfortable because now he can ask for food, right? He can tell his mom or dad that I'm hungry. So when a child begins to mature, there are certain things they stop doing. And as you have progressed from being uh, a baby to, you know, uh, a, a young boy or girl and then to becoming an adolescent and an adult now there are many things you stop doing and there are many things you started doing and the bible says there's the same order spiritually you know and so there are things that the spirit of god as you grow would ask that you stop doing and there are things he will ask you to to continue so the big question is are you positioned as a believer are you positioned uh to obey divine instructions i want you to answer that question honestly are you positioned to obey divine instructions? Are you positioned? Are you positioned? Keyword here is positioning. What's the condition of your house? Number two, 
how do you activate an execution plan based on what God is telling you? So am I positioned? And number two, how do I execute? And number three, uh, when a vision for, is for an appointed, when God shows me something that is still far out there, far ahead of me, what should I be doing now to ensure that I'm on the track? What should I be doing now to ensure that I don't derail from that vision, from that thing that, that's out there that God has shown me? Um, while I was in the university, I remember back then, I, I used to have a lot of interesting friends who they could see 20 years ahead. I couldn't see that far. And I couldn't fabricate a vision, right? But some of them told me that they could see really far. Like they knew the things that God was going to do with their lives 20 years, you know, 10 years from now. Uh, my only challenge was that it didn't seem to me like some of them, some of them, it didn't seem to me like some of them knew what to, now, what to do now to connect with that 20-year vision. I'm, I'm always particular about recognizing what I'm supposed to be doing now uh, and not over-celebrate what will happen 20 years from now that I do not know anything uh, how to position now to, to cause to happen. Uh, and so some of them, I mean, 20 years down the line, those things have not happened largely because they couldn't answer this question. When a vision is for an appointed time, what should I be doing now to ensure that I'm on the path of that vision? So let's, let's tackle these three questions within the uh, time that I have. Uh, I need help with the clock. I'm completely, um, I'm preaching blind right now. So if you guys can help. How are you positioned to obey divine instructions? Although possible, that's, that's good news for me, I can just keep firing. You know, so uh, as you position to obey, uh, how, uh, how are you positioned to obey divine instructions? Are we still together? Life, when you guys are quiet, child, I thought you'd be a, a is it the nose mask? Uh, please, talk back, okay? Tell me, preach. Tell me, yeah, yeah, I got that, I got that. That's fine. Falabi, where's your voice now? It's disappeared. Okay, um, 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 some feedback would be great. Okay, so, so let's, let's, let's talk about this. How, are you positioned to obey divine instructions? Are you positioned to obey divine instructions? Uh, the first thing I want to um, say to you is, at this time in your lifetime, guys, at this time in your lifetime, you, you can't trivialize your relationship with God. There's just so much uncertainty uh, you know, things are not the way they used to be. Things are not following any predictable pattern anymore. But the interesting thing about it is that um, this season did not catch God unawares. God is very aware of what is going on. God has a plan. There's a reason why you are alive at a time like this. There's a reason why you get to witness this in your lifetime. So the question is, it's simply wisdom for you to put your ears close to the mouth of the person who has it all figured out already rather than trying to figure it out yourself. Am I right? So how do, are you positioned? Because you see, when I have issues with my, my, um, my, my inclination to obeying God, we're going to have a problem here. Uh, and as someone who's, who's matured and grown you know, over the years in Christ, I know that you know, one of the biggest struggles at the early stage of your faith is you know, that promptness, that willingness to obey God, the wrestling that happens between what you feel you should do and the things that the Spirit of God is prompting you to do. Um, the, your natural proclivities and the instructions uh, of the Scripture that to get to a point where the word of God becomes my standard, particularly with your generation, you guys are the millennials, you know, where people are beginning to have their truth. And, and that really doesn't make sense because there are, no, there are no alternative truths. The truth is not an ideology. The truth is not um, what a group of people come together to agree is correct. It's not relative to your preference. The truth is a person. Praise God. Jesus said, I am the way. And the truth and the life, the truth is a person. That is God. So, you know, you cannot come up with an alternative truth and assume that, you know, the painful part of that for me is just that um, some people are going to wait until they are 50 years or 60 years before they knew they were wrong. And what a waste. That's what happens when you're experimenting with your life. So I say, oh, no, that's my truth. That's what I choose to believe. Okay, go ahead. But you see, that's your truth is an hypothesis. It has not been tested. It, the, the, the truth as 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 preserved has been consistent since the creation of time. And that's why when I stand by the truth, I am guaranteed my outcome. My life is not an experiment because I know the outcome is guaranteed. The word of God is clear. When you live like this, follow these instructions, you know, you know, commit to this 
this set of principles, this is how you're going to turn out. That is clear. But when I begin to come up with my own alternatives based on what I believe is convenient for me or based on popular culture or what a group of people now believe is correct, what has happened is I've subject my life to a very expensive experiment because 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we're going to find out how wise or foolish you were. And I know you're not going to be foolish in Jesus' name. You know, so the truth is not subject to our personal preference. And we have this obedience factor where people are struggling to obey God's word just because they now have a personal preference. So people begin to say things like, oh, there's nothing wrong with having sex before you get married. I mean, there are people that are doing it and heaven has not fallen. Uh, there are people that are doing it and they're getting happily married. Why are you telling me not to have sex be uh, uh, before I get, I, I, get, I get married? You know, um, I, mean, I mean, after all, the people that are doing it, I got to marry now. Like you've seen the end of the whole thing. Or like you're in their home and you know what's going on. Or how many years married are those people? I'm not even wishing anyone who's made that mistake um, evil. I mean, you know, God is merciful. He can always turn things around. But what I'm saying is that why do you want to, why do you think that is a way you can shunt God's instruction and still live your best life? God's instruction is, is designed to give you the best quality of life. Obedience factor. We are created to reflect the glory of God, the nature of God. And his word helps us to be able to manifest that, that attribute. And so when we, when we embrace his instructions, even at times when it does not make sense, it makes you. Can I say that again? There are times when God's instruction may not make sense to you at the point, just like when at times your parents' instructions when they said you should go to school, read books, some, sometimes, you know, at, at, at your growing up, you know, season, it didn't make sense to you, but it's part of what has made you. Am I right? There are times God's instructions may not make sense, but it makes you. It makes you. Jesus said to Peter, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Not taking God's word seriously means that you have excluded God's wisdom and his power from the equation of your life. That in terms of how much of God you can see and experience in your life, once your attitude to God's word is, oh, well, you know, then it, it means that, you know, a lot of the things you're going to do will be, will be based on your effort and your capacity, and that is so limited. Especially at a time like this, it limits you. It limits your capacity to live your potential. And we see people in the scripture who live their life like that. Samuel was an example. He was anointed as king. And, and, and God raised him up as a king in Israel whose lineage was supposed to be preserved in the throne. But Samuel began to do things based on what he felt was right, not what God said to him was right. For example, he went to a battle. God said, destroy everybody. He didn't destroy everybody. He preserved uh, the, the best of the livestock. And the prophet came and said, but God told you to destroy all even if it, it that is God's instruction even if you had a preference and he said because you have constant you have re, you've refused the wisdom of God God has rejected you from the throne and you are no longer going to your, your, your lineage is no longer going to hold on to this throne not only that as far as God is concerned you are no longer his king and that's how Saul lost out and, and someone told him he said to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken to God's instruction better than the fat of rams I want to challenge someone this, this morning that you need to take a look at your attitude towards God's word. Um, am I inclined? Is my heart open? When I study the scripture, do I study the scripture from a place of humility? Lord, whatever it is I find in your word is how I'm going to live my life. It's going to be the standard by which I live. It's going to be the standard by which I live. I'm going to allow your word to be the final authority in my life. And there are many times when, as you position like that, God's, we begin to, so, so we engage the principles of God's word, and then we begin to get specific instructions from the Holy Spirit that give us, you know, guidance on certain areas of our life. When you see someone who is learned to familiarize himself or herself with the word of God on a consistent basis, it's not hard for you to get instructions. That we call rema, revelations of God's will. You know, maybe where your, your, your career is concerned, certain business opportunities, certain relationships that God is opening up, certain things he wants you to invest into, certain actions he needs you to take, certain people he wants you to speak to. You know, when you become familiar with God's word, it's easy for you to begin to engage and get such unique instructions from God that opens you up to new possibilities. Praise God. It is very possible at those instances for God to move you to do certain things that will trigger unusual harvest in your life. Because of time pressure, I can't tell you stories and stories of personal experiences I've had where God has moved on me to do certain things, you know, that may not have ordinarily made sense if I didn't trust God, if I've not used to working with him. But stepping out to act on those instructions triggered all sorts of increase and open doors in my life. Okay? So that is really important. Let's jump to the second question. 
how do you activate an execution plan based on what God is telling you, especially at a time like this? How do you activate? How do you activate? You know, uh, there are people who, and I've been there, I will confess, I've been there. You know, there are times when you have a revelation from God. There's a word. There's a way you romance that word. You, 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 instead of doing it, you, you keep sharing it to show people that you have a revelation from God. You know, you just like, do you know, <laughs> do you know what God told me? He told me this, this, this. Say, eh? Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me. Then you, you carry it to, to another meeting. Say, God told me. <laughs> he said this to me. And, and you're like, when are you, bro, when are you going to do it? <laughs> you know, it, God didn't share stuff with you. God didn't give you instructions so that you can show off, that you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He gave you an instruction to obey. He gave you an instruction to act on. So how do we ensure that as believers we are not, you know, we don't become Christian showroom? Where we are, we're just, we just we line up all sorts of revelations that God has given us for people to see so that they can admire us and know that we hear the voice of the Spirit of God. One small executed plan is better than 100 great plans that remain on paper. It's important to learn to take baby steps forward, you know, that not move at all. When God gives you an instruction, you need to learn to act on it, you know, even though. There, there's a right time for every plan, you know, when you begin to procrastinate or you begin to romance an instruction without acting, you know what? Your plan can become obsolete. Time can run out on that plan. Praise God. Are we together? When you are too uh, sluggish to step out and act on a plan that God has given you, um, you can run out of time and that plan can become obsolete. And as I speak now, I know that there are people here, you're listening to me, there are things that God has dropped in your heart. The instructions is giving you. Some of you has told you to write a professional exam in anticipation of certain things. Some of you has told you to register for a course. Some of you has told you to begin to pray seriously about your marital destiny. And you're not taking this in marriage. <laughs> you know, I'm not ready yet. Or I don't want to feel desperate. You know, so I was talking to someone yesterday, and that was what she was saying. When at times, particularly the ladies, when you begin to talk to them about praying and taking their marital destiny, some people feel like, ah, if I. If I do that, I'm becoming desperate. I don't want to be desperate. If the Spirit of God has given me an instruction, I don't even know how praying is a sign of desperation. Praying is a sign of desperation. Praying is a sign of preparation. Praise God. And that's for someone right there. God just needed you to hear that. Praying is not a sign of desperation. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a proof that you're preparing. So what, has, what is that God has told you, you know, about your business? Maybe he said, look, it's time for you to begin to prepare for partnerships. So someone, for example, God may have told you, you need to start putting money aside. You need to start saving more aggressively. And you don't know why, but because there's an opportunity somewhere down the line. And he's saying, you know what, you need to tighten your belt a bit. Not, don't, don't spend as much as you earn. In fact, increase your savings more. You know, tighten your belt a bit because there are opportunities coming up down the line. And when you don't take those kind of instructions seriously, well, what then happens is when the opportunity shows up, you may not just not be prepared for it. So what is it that God has told you? What is it that God has told you? You need to begin to take steps in that direction. And don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. You know? And so what are the things that stops us from, from just doing it? Oftentimes, we are waiting for favorable conditions. We are waiting for, you know, all the, your, your, all the lights to turn green, all the ducks to line up. You know, and there is never anything. It's only in textbook that you find, and in the laboratory that you find standard temperature and pressure. You know, when they say in physics, we're scientists, this this principle holds under standard temperature and pressure. Oftentimes, the temperature and the pressure they are never standard. You know, temperature is hot or the pressure is high or low. So you're not going to find, you know, the perfect condition. Don't wait for the perfect condition. It, it oftentimes deters us from doing the right thing. Someone will say, oh, God has given an instruction. Someone will say, I'm going to start it at the beginning of a new month. What, what does that mean? If God has given an instruction, why are you waiting for a new month to start? Do it right away. Start. Someone is waiting to initiate something. Ah, that saving thing I got told me. It's January, I will start. If you don't begin to work on it now, you won't start in January. You know, I'm going to start it the new year. Start. Start now. Waiting for favorable conditions. Limitations, being too conscious of limitations. You know, Bible says if you consider the rain, you will not sow. You know, if you consider the storms, you are not going to reap. You can't, you can't constantly allow other things to limit you. Weariness from past failures. We all tend to deal with this at times. Failure at times has a way of um, affecting our confidence, damaging our confidence. And, and if we're around people who also mocked us 
or made fun of us because we failed, uh, there's a way that also further discourages us because we don't want to be mocked a second time. You know what? You need to learn and recognize that you know, failure does not define you. Get up and move. Get up and move. The people who are mocking you today, they're going to clap for you tomorrow. Right? They're going to clap for you tomorrow. Don't let their mockery you know, hold you down. Don't let their, their zero expectation of you. In fact, I like people to underestimate me. I think it's part of what I... I, I it's part of my, my, the secret of my... Um, my outlook and how I've sort of tried to forge ahead. I don't mind people underestimating me. I don't mind people not thinking highly of what I'm capable of doing. You know, I like to be the surprise. So you know what? It's okay if people think you can't do well. It's even good. The expectations are low, right? <laughs> so you can always exceed it. So you know what? Don't let failure hold you down. You know, don't let past failures hold you down. Laziness. Um, laziness, yeah, laziness. And the Bible says in let me read this uh, uh, from Proverbs chapter 20, from 30 to 34. It says, One day I walked by the field of an old lazy bones and passed the vineyard of a lout, and they were overgrown with weeds, thick with thistles, all the fences broken down. I took a long look and pondered what I saw, and the fields preached me a sermon, and I listened. A nap here, a nap there, a day of here, a day of there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Justice. You can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest. Somebody say, God forbid. You know, um, laziness has a price. Um, what I found interesting though is that oftentimes, just the same way hardworking people don't know they're hardworking, lazy people don't know they're lazy. Um, because there's always an excuse for laziness. But you see, the truth is, we always need to be brutally honest with ourselves. You always need to be able to audit yourself personally and tell yourself the truth. Look in the mirror and say, I'm not, I can do better than this. I can work harder than this. I can do more with my time. I can make a lot more happen. You know, don't keep giving yourself excuse for you know, being slothful in business. You know, challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. There are opportunities out there. there. There's a lot more you can make happen every day. You know, that the kind of time you devote to, maybe nowadays it's not even so much sleeping. Maybe it is, you know, social media. Maybe it is, you know, just faffing around. When you look at the, the quantum of hours that we devote to that, and I ask yourself, if I channel this energy in the direction of something that is more productive, how, far, how further will I move? How much progress will I make? If I read a book, you know, half of the time I'm spending on social media every day, how, how smarter will I get? How, how richer will my mind be? How much fresh ideas will I have? You know, that brutal honesty is critical so that you can step out of that zone and be more productive. Praise God. You know, um, uh, business associated with routines. One of the things I've also realized uh, as a deterrent to acting on God's word is when we are used to a particular um, work cycle, a particular way of thinking and functioning that does not open us to um, being able to capture new ideas and executing it, we can't interrupt the routine that we've built for ourselves. It has been so well preserved that it is not open to interruptions. And that's what keeps a lot of people in the rat race in life. I can't interrupt this to inject a new thinking, to inject new ideas, to inject a new way of behaving, to inject new problems. Projects. I must be able to, no matter how busy I am, you know, critically appraise my work. And when I get in inspired, I feel that there are, there are ways I need to interrupt this busyness that has brought me this far to introduce new things that kind of cause me to experience breakthroughs. I must be willing to do that. Because that busyness becomes an excuse for not making real progress in life. You know, what I found out is in physics, they say um, not all motion is progress. Motion is not equal to progress. Uh, when you think about when you think about Lagos, um, in the morning, uh, you just stand at the end of Todd Milan Bridge and see motion. Everywhere is blocked in the morning. At times I just wonder, where are all these people going? And Nigeria is still like this. Every day. In the morning, the road is packed. In the evening, the road is packed. People moving up and down up and down, and a lot of people are not really making progress. They are making motion, but they are making progress because motion is not equal to progress. Can I say that again? That you are moving doesn't mean you are making progress. Uh, you know, a pendulum moves, but it doesn't make progress. It's just going back and forth. It's motion. There's what they call simple harmonic motion, circular motion. You know, it's not progress. It's motion, but it's not progress. Vibration is a kind of motion, but it's not progress. You can be vibrating on one spot, and you're not making progress. <laughs> There are many people that are making motion, but they are not making progress. That is what happens with busyness. You know, when I get so busy, 
with work, I get so busy with activities, and those activities are critical. I consider them important, but they're not moving my life in the direction of the things that need to begin to happen. When I find myself in that situation, I need, to, I need, I need divine interruptions, new ideas. I need to inject something new, something different, to be able to experience breakthrough results, okay? Fear, fear always immobilizes. Oftentimes, fear of the unknown, fear of change. Some people are just afraid to make changes, change that job, change the, the circle of friends, you know, that you are used to but are keeping you down. Change, you know, um, certain aspects of your life that has been the same for a while. When God begins to demand certain change, change in outlook, change in the, the, your attitude, that now you should be able to forgive people and forgive people freely and love unconditionally, you know, um, you know, fear of people's opinion. I've spoken about that. Fear of failure. Fear of the unknown. Some people are even afraid of too much success. You know what it means to be afraid of too much success? Some people just don't have appetite for more. You know, when I've succeeded to a level, I feel this job is good enough. Uh, I've, I, I'm okay. I mean, at this point in my life that I'm here, I'm grateful to God. And even though there are opportunities out there, I'm no longer hungry. I'm, I'm afraid to progress. I'm afraid to step it up. Some people have had a fantastic 2020. You know, the year has been great. Things worked well. Doors opened. And now they are, they are satisfied and they, they, they are not hungry for more. In fact, they are afraid to go for more because they feel that maybe that will be greed. That's not greed. God is not just blessing you for you. God is blessing you because there are many people who want to talk through your life. Praise God. And so being hungry for more, being hungry for more is critical in being able to follow divine instructions and stepping out to do the things that God wants you to do. And finally today, when God, when a vision is for an appointed time, I, I spoke about that earlier. So I was talking about having the right attitude for God's word, right? Just making sure that my heart is ready. I, I understand this is the way to win. This is the way to live a life that honors God. This is the kind of heart that prepares me for eternity. The Bible says, eyes of, of the Lord runs to and through the earth, searching for those whose hearts are perfect towards him, that he might show himself mighty on their behalf. And then number two is the commitment to execute and removing those barriers. And finally, it's when a vision is for an appointed time, what should you be doing now? What should I be doing now? You know, what should I be doing now? God has shown me stuff, but it's not yet manifestation time. Well, you need to understand the principle of seed time and harvest. The Bible says Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, you know, summer and winter, cold and heat will not cease. It's important for me to understand that between the time I begin to plant my seed and the time when I'm going to see harvest, there is a waiting time. And in that waiting time, God demands of me a measure of consistency, a measure of you know, um, faithfulness in the things that he has placed in my hand. Some people don't know how to wait. Can I say that again? Some people don't know how to wait. I've seen a lot of, guys, please listen to this one. Please listen to this one. The failure rate, Pastor Bosa, the failure rate of Christians from um, young, um, as a young Christian to a mature adult that is living in the fullness of what God has called them to do. The, 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 where you have the highest failure rate is in their inability to wait inability to be consistent. Like Joseph, that period where you're in Potiphar's house and not much is happening. You just have to serve. You just have to, be, to learn the ropes. You just have to build your muscles, build character, build the right attitude, you know, and everything seems to just not really be um, moving so fast. You get what I'm saying? Or, you know, um, 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 Joseph in prison and he's just there, you know, every day, the same thing, predictable work cycle, two years plus in prison, nothing really happening. You know, it doesn't look like um, he's making any progress. There's no tracker for progress in the prison. How do you make progress in prison? You're stuck, you know, you're just stuck. And you don't even know when you're going to get out of it. Many times people don't understand that that period, that waiting period between your seed time and harvest is the period where you actually build your muscle. It's a period where certain attributes, certain character is formed in you. And God begins to do a work in you that prepares you for that time. Because when that time comes, it's going to open the door. And someone is moved from prison to the palace to become a prime minister. Can I share this interesting story? It's a story, well, uh, hmm, this is life point. I was, I was going to say everybody should know about this, but now I need to recalibrate. How many people have watched Karate Kid before? The one that be Will Smith's son acted. How many people here? Karate Kid, let me see. All right, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. So I'm not stuck. <laughs> in Karate Kid, there's a scene where Jackie Chan is trying to train um, Willow, right? That's the boy. Yeah. He's trying to train him on certain moves. 
and he tells him to pick a shirt and hang and keep hanging it for days. How many people remember that scene? And so he all he does is every day he comes and he just picks the shirt, hang it, pick the shirt, hang it, pick the shirt, hang it. And the guy started doing that. After a while, he just got tired, like, is that what I'm here for? You know, to keep hanging the shirt every single day for hours. And this guy is just sleeping. And so on a particular day, he said, I'm not doing it anymore. I mean, is this not what I signed up for, man? And, you know, Jackie Chan gets up and says to him and shows him that, look, you have not been wasting your time. That move is foundational to every other thing you're going to learn. Can you remember that, that scene where he begins to show him how that move, just picking and hanging, is at the heart of every other thing else he was going to learn? That is what God oftentimes does with us in that waiting period. That even though it looks like, what's going on here? You know, things are not happening as, as quickly. I, I know this is su supposed to happen and all of that. Oftentimes, what people do is they begin to take shortcuts. They begin to disobey God. They begin to compromise because they want to see things happen. They begin to sleep with Potiphar's wife. They begin to misbehave. And they, they truncate that process because they want to force things to happen. Whereas God is saying, just wait. Just wait. Seed time and harvest will never cease. If you are faithful, and you're working with God, and you're consistent, even though you don't have absolute control over when the harvest time, when the harvest time comes, your harvest will mature. And I'm speaking to someone today who is in that period where I, I, it has to wait, or you have to wait, she has to wait. Something is not really happening as quickly as you expect it to happen now. And God is saying, don't get weary in well-doing. You know what? Be consistent. Just keep picking it and hanging it. There's something God is building in you. There's something God is working out. To the extent that that is what he's saying to you, just wait. Continue doing what you're doing. Continue to be faithful. It looks oftentimes that people are taking shortcuts, have gone ahead of you. They are faster than you. They are smarter than you. But you know what? With God, God... Um, look, uh, God does not organize the race the way men run it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's why I can move someone that looks like yesterday they were having a conversation with Joseph. They say that guy that is lost. That guy that is, is missed it. He's in the prison. There's nothing coming. In fact, he, his record, he's an accused rapist because he was not able to vindicate himself. In the records of Egypt, he's an accused rapist. And that was his record the day before. And suddenly God could move him from that place to become the prime minister and a completely different story altogether. Same thing about Moses. If, they had, if someone had a conversation 30, 35 years out, um, Moses' life in the wilderness, it would be a cautionary tale. Don't be as stupid as that guy called Moses, who was trying to, he thought he was a deliverer and he was, you know, and he messed himself up. For the last 35 years, we've not heard of him. And here he's in one wilderness there. What he has been doing for 35 years is he has been leading sheep. What a shame. And people will shake their head, right? Yeah, he will be a cautionary tale. But five years after, he encounters the burning bush and that same person becomes the deliverer of Israel. That's the funny thing about God. Don't count yourself out. If you're faithful and you're waiting on God and you're walking with him and you're obeying his instructions, in due season, I tell you, other people may not understand what is going on, but in due season, you will enter into the fullness of your harvest. Guys, I'm here to let you know that just follow God. Just do it. Just follow his spirit. You can never get it wrong. You can never get it wrong. Is somebody blessed this morning? You want to put your hands together and celebrate God? I want you to just lift up your hand and I want you to, 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 to speak to God this morning. You say, Lord, I, I'm going to be rooted in your spirit. I'm going to be, I am going to be grounded. I want to be grounded. Hearing ears, seeing, seeing eyes. Someone this morning, what, what you want to say is, Lord, I repent. I mean, I have struggled with your word. I have not taken your word as, as seriously as I should, as my necessary meal, uh, as a final authority in my life. I, I embrace your wisdom this morning. Your word is the tool of my transformation. It is by your word that I can enter into the fullness of my inheritance. The Bible says I commend you to God and the word of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. Lord, I, I choose to embrace your counsel. I choose to embrace your counsel. Someone is saying, I, I, my attitude to the word uh, is going through an adjustment this morning. I'm going through an attitude adjustment. Sweet Holy Spirit, help me to change my attitude to God's word. I can't be functioning on a, a, on a truth that is defined by me for me. 
no lord i choose to submit my ideas my wisdom to your word to your word i will seek your will i will seek to know your counsel and i will walk with you and i will walk with you in the name of jesus i don't know maybe there's someone here in this service and you have gone through some disappointment you know some some pain um this season it's been a tough and rough season for you would you just say lord i receive comfort from your spirit at this time i receive comfort from your spirit i refuse to give up i refuse to compromise i refuse to let go maybe you have even compromised at some point maybe you have you have you've gone astray maybe there are things that you have done that you're not so proud of you know what there is grace available god loves you so much and his grace is available he's embracing you with his love at this moment saying you know what uh, i i want i want to give you a fresh start i want to give you a new beginning i want to i want to set you on your feet and i want us to, to start out all over again knowing that i'm with you I am your comforter, I am your strengthener, I am your refuge, I am your very present help, even in time of trouble. Hallelujah. I want to pray for someone, you're in this service while everybody else is praying, and you're having your moments with God, and you are, you, are, you are refreshing. Some of us, there are things that God has said to you before that you have filed away, it's time for you to bring it back. That instruction he gave you, it's time for you to say, I need to bring this back to the fore, and I need to begin to work with this. Uh, as you're having that private moment with God, I want to speak to someone this morning who's not born again. Whether you're watching online or you're in this auditorium, you, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you were once born again, but you know stuff has happened. Um, you're not where you used to be anymore. Your fellowship with God is not as strong as it used to be. You know, if Jesus were to come today, you can't confidently say, I will be, I would, I would follow him and I will make it to heaven. If you're that person, I ask that you just put your hand on your heart. I want to pray with you. God is here. God is here and he's, he's here to give you a fresh start. If you're watching online, just do the same. Just put your hand. And I want you to do with pride and confidence, man. Like this is one of the things that the, 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 the critical next step for you, critical next step for you. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out of a life of sin. I'm stepping out from the stranglehold of the enemy. The Bible says the enemy has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you may have life an abundant life if you're tired of you know that life of sin you know that life of you know that sense of insecurity and fear and uncertainty would you put your hand on your heart i want to pray with you god bless you god bless you if your hand is on your heart i want to just lift it up above your head um god bless you i see those hands just lift it up lift it up very well lift it up with pride and with joy uh to the glory of god to the shame of the devil thank you lord i i see you i see you i see you if you want to join those people's hands are up would you just lift it up boldly confidently boldly confidently boldly confidently boldly confidently hallelujah it's a new beginning for you it's a new beginning for you would you say this prayer after me say father in the name of jesus i acknowledge i'm a sinner and i believe that you sent your son jesus to die for me and to raise him up for my justification. Today I repent and I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that you cleanse me with the precious blood of your son Jesus Christ. Thank you Father for forgiving me. I declare that I'm saved, blood washed, sanctified for your use. In Jesus name amen let me pray with you father thank you for everyone under the influence of my voice who has said this prayer declare in the name of jesus that the hold of sin is broken over their lives and declare in your name that they are translated from darkness into light they are established in your courts and that their life will bring forth abundant fruits to the praise of your glorious name thank you lord we give you praise for in jesus mighty name we have prayed amen 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 you want to put your hands together and celebrate god thank you for being a fantastic audience god bless you thank you for listening to a message from the life point church to download more free messages please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng